expressed belong solely to their operators and do not represent the views or opinions of Family Flavors, The Slide, WBN, Inc., its affiliates, its sister companies, or respective companies which these individuals are affiliated or have been previously affiliated. The program's participants, opinions, and content are based upon information they consider reliable, but neither Family Flavors to Slide WBN Inc. nor its affiliates warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be considered as such. All rights to the media broadcasted on this platform belong solely to the copyright owners of said media. Family Flavors to Slide WBN Inc. and its affiliates do not make claims to own the media broadcasted on our network. Hello and welcome to the Caritas Consciousness Project. I'm Gloria Quedu, your host, and we're delighted to be in Jack Stuckey's studio and uh, recording a video presentation on uh, multidimensional beings. Uh, Jack Stuckey, <clears throat> excuse me, has received national and international award for his work in developing and implementing technologies to assist humanity's awakening. His efforts have been acknowledged in books by Elmer Green, Claude Swanson, Jean Millay, and Mark Macy, and in articles by Celia Coates and others. The fractal beings that work with him communicate with love, compassion, and humor with the intention of accelerating mankind's rightful place within the Galactic Federation. Um, I give you thoughts, I give you Jack Stuckey. Here's Jack. Hello, it's so good to be with you. We're going to begin with a uh, uh, five minute meditation featuring the fractal art of Brenda Malloy, uh, my overtone chanting, and uh, Byron Metcalf on synthesizer. The fractal art and the overtone chanting are specifically designed with the intention of assisting us in our awakening. They stimulate the calming areas in the frontal lobes and also help the brain to stimulate in an area of gamma that enhances intuition. So relax and enjoy.
in the uh, middle 90s, uh, there was a friend of mine that was working as a volunteer in the Office of uh, Alternative Medicine, which was founded by Wayne Jonas, the former medical director of Walter Reed Hospital. This, uh, he was a device that came across their desk that um, was originally invented to uh, balance the thermal layers in a room. And uh, uh, every once in a while, an anomaly would show up, like a face that wasn't visible to the naked eye. And uh, she said, I, um, my friend said that I thought of you and that you might want to investigate this. So uh, I called the inventor and he invited me to his lab in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I flew there and he picked me up. It was the middle of winter and uh, he was a chain smoker and I wasn't. So I was not feeling well by the time we made the hour and a half drive to his place. And uh, he took a picture of me with this machine on and I looked very blurry. And then uh, I did a simple Qigong thing uh, exercise to create inner coherence and I photographed clear and I thought I was into biofeedback I was a biofeedback practitioner oh my gosh we have what looks like it could be a biofeedback device for consciousness and then uh, I soon began to realize that um, there was a consciousness interaction with myself and the machine and the type of pictures that would um, uh, come uh, out not only were they coming out sporadically with my intention and my concentration, especially when I was in a state of inner coherence, the pictures would come out more consistently. So I made a call to uh, a very famous mentor of mine, Elmer Green, and uh, he chuckled over the phone and he said, do you have Alice Bailey's esoteric healing book? And I said, yes, and he said, turn to a certain page. And it was 376 to 377. And this is the slide you're seeing. It says, in connection with your query about the photography, which concerns itself with departed souls, I would advise you that understanding of process will come from a study of photographing of thought forms. Along the line of thought photography and electrical equipment will come the solution. It is the thought of those on the other side and their ability to project thought forms of themselves, plus the providing of adequately sensitive plates or their equivalent, which will mark a new era in so-called spirit photography. People frequently are so preoccupied with the tangible instruments on this side of the veil that they neglect the factor of what must be contributed by the other side, by those who have passed over. Um, so he encouraged me to continue my work with these, uh, with these photographs. And um, today I'm going to share some of the um, things that have developed from that. This is one of the machines that I'm currently working on. Uh, there are three plexiglass barrels, a six inch, a four inch, and a two inch. There's a vogel cut crystal in about the area of the heart chakra uh, on the, uh, in the device. And then other things are added to the device to disrupt the air. Dr. Claude Swanson thinks the machines, and I'm sure he is right, work on the physics principle of torsion. Torsion, the word was coined by a, a Russian physicist named Kazarev. Uh, torsion travels several billion times faster than the speed of light, 
going both forward and backward in time. And um, therefore, it's in the eternal now. So when I can, I use intention, I can get pictures of previous lives or entities or members of a person's spirit family. This is the Vogel crystal that sits inside uh, the illuminator machine. That's what it's called. This is a water structuring device. Uh, my friend Paul Jensen is placing that crystal in. The crystal has been programmed to structure the water. The water is poured into the stainless steel bowl that you see on the top and goes through seven uh, circles of copper tubing where it uh, then comes into a flexible tubing so the water comes into a container. The water's poured through there three times and then it's put in a humidifier to, uh, in the same vicinity that the illuminator machine is. So the illuminator has two fans, one that's drawing in air at the bottom and one that's expelling the air at the top. So now the machine is drawing in air that's been structured for the specific purpose of helping the project that we're working on. We live in a very um, special place. We all live in special places. This is an outline of the mountain as you look to the right coming out of our cabin uh, in the wet mountains and uh, the outline of the mountain. Uh, if you look at it, uh, um, it's, we call it the divine feminine, the lady lying on her back. Um, in the 1997, I took a photograph up closer to that and uh, I got a photograph of this temple or building that's in another dimension that's superimposed over that entire mountain range. The beings that work with me, the fractal beings, tend to hang out or, or congregate uh, in this area. Uh, when hiking up to this area, there are rock formations such as what you might see on Easter Island. It's a very, very special place. This young man um, was referred to me. He had multiple health challenges going on and they couldn't figure out why. Um, so I did a meditation on him in our medicine wheel. Here in this photograph, he's holding dirt from where he lives and he photographs cloudy. Intuitively, I asked him to take a spoon, a tablespoon, a baggie, and aluminum foil, and put, take, go outside where he lived and take a spoonful of dirt and put it in the baggie and wrap it tight with aluminum foil so the information wouldn't leak. Then, this is our medicine wheel. And this is a closer shot of the medicine wheel. I took a uh, similar um, I took a spoon, a tablespoon, and spooned some sand and dirt from the medicine wheel, put it in a baggie, and uh, wrapped it in aluminum foil, and then uh, brought it to the lab. In the first picture where he was blurry, he was holding dirt from where he lived. Here he's holding dirt from the medicine wheel, and he photographs clear. And if you look in the uh, just right of center in the lower part of the picture, you see an anomaly. I assume that's one of the fractal things that work with me. I asked the young man where he lived, and he said, my folks own a funeral home, and that's where I live. As you know, in the Western world, some of us look at uh, death as a very tragic thing, and there's grief, and this, uh, these emotions go into the land. And I'll be talking more about uh, emotions and what we're doing to the planet in a bit. This young lady had numerous um, abduction experiences um, as a child. Uh, the first thing I did was write on two similar pieces of paper 
Uh, on one, I wrote, my abduction experience was real. And on the second one, my abduction experience was not real. I folded them and neither of us knew which one she was holding. This one she was holding, my abduction experience was real. She felt very alone, very, very alone. So I asked for the highest good if we could see members of her spirit family. And this is what showed up. Now, what we're going to do, my friend Bram Schaefer takes this into Photoshop and he outlines the face and then he desaturates the background and you can see a uh, gentleman this happens to be an ascended master, uh, what we used to call ascended masters. And there's um, uh, another one on her face. I believe this to be Jesus. And um, now we're going to move into more what travels. Um, back in January of 2012, I was doing a chi clearing and bringing in new chi on a uh, rock in the middle of a stream. And this being appeared in front of me. I didn't know it was a being at the time. It was rectangular in shape, had sharp jagged edges on the inside and sharp jagged edges on the outside. It went from goldish white into rose, into green, into blue, into dark violet. And it shimmied. It was uh, definitely alive. It was vibrant. And what I felt was completely at ease and calmness and completely surrounded by unconditional love. I had never experienced anything quite the same as that. Um, I went back to the cabin and I wrote a new version of the uh, Great Invocation, which the Tibetan, Dwaj Kul, had given to Alice Bailey in the book Esoteric Healing. Keep in mind, the Tibetan had predicted the type of pho photography, and now he had given me a version, a new verse to the Great Invocation called End Invocation, and that's how we're going to conclude this. I called um, Celia Coates to tell her about this, and uh, she really liked the invocation and was going to publish it and publish the article on it. And she in it, uh, she said that I, I had said, which was true, that I said that the being looked like a Kirlian photograph. Well, the being came back to me and said, in the article, you described me as a Kirlian photo photograph, but a more accurate um, Description would be that of a fractal, but mankind does not understand the true nature of fractals or fractal geometry. Fractals are our infinite form, and it makes sense. On the second one down on the left is the famous Mandelbrot set. I got very interested in fractals and read Benoit Mandelbrot's uh, autobiography. Benoit Mandelbrot was the one who in 1975 coined the word fractal geometry Fractal meaning repeating patterns, coastlines, Sri Yantra, many different things uh, are fractals. Many parts inside of our body are fractal, including what in the Western world we call junk DNA. <laughs> DNA is not junk, of course. Um, it's fractal in shape, which means it's infinite. It's made up of scalar antennae that are constantly uh, sending and receiving information, even when we're asleep. It is made up of the, what he called the torsion field, or what we are more familiar with, the Akashic record. All information, since it receives both left-handed and right-handed spin, forward and backward in time, is inside of us. I was an instructor for a course 
postdoctorate course from the University of Colorado Medical School. It was in energy medicine and um, the physicians, it was an elective course, would come down to my laboratory where they got to experience having their picture taken and got to experience my work um, that I do with music therapy and biofeedback. So I would begin um, talking to them about energy medicine by asking them how much mass is there to the human body? <clears throat> if they didn't know for sure, they, many of them thought it was all mass. Uh, in the physics book, it says there is no mass to our bodies. All the mass of all the bodies on the planet would fit inside of a football. All the mass on the planet would fit inside of a football stadium. So we're dealing with energy. There's space inside those atoms. Allopathic medicine is built on the laws of physics. And I'm going to explain to you what has happened since Isaac Newton. Uh, Newtonian physics, in, in Newtonian physics, there are four forces. The high nuclear force, the low nuclear force, the gravitational force, and the magnetic force. One of my mentors from the other side uh, was a genius named Marcel Vogel. Uh, Marcel Vogel had no uh, formal education. He channeled his physics and worked for IBM as a physicist. He had uh, at least 50 patents, including the coding on compact disks. He called the fifth force love, which is partially true. To a great extent, this is, is true. Kazarev called the fifth force torsion. Torsion can either have a right-hand spin or it can have a left-handed spin. In Claude Swanson's new book, he says that uh, right-handed spin uh, goes forward in time and left-handed skin uh, spin goes backward. And I, what the beings have told me is that the when we release thoughts of a linear logical manner, it's right-handed spin. And when they come with emotion and are uh, nonverbal, it's a left-handed spin. And this would go along with um, uh, traditions such as the medicine wheels, uh, sacred circles around the world. Females would walk counterclockwise around the circle. Males would walk clockwise. So it's been shown um, by uh, much meticulous research by individuals such as Dean Radin, Brenda Dunn, and Robert John uh, at the Princeton Engineering Anomalous Research Lab and the brilliant work of William Tiller and his intention printed electronic devices that we do indeed affect, um, can affect software programs. We can imprint an intention into a crystal and that crystal uh, box can be sent elsewhere where target experiments can be formed and uh, for instance, raising the pH of water by as much as one full pH unit. The intention is set in a lab in say, Stanford and can be sent to the Princeton Engineering Lab and um, hooked up to beacons of water and it will perform as it was intended. The um, Global Consciousness Project, as now called, shows that these uh, pods, these uh, software programs, which are placed strategically throughout the planet, respond to human thought before an event actually happens, such as the uh, O.J. verdict, Princess Diana death, and the most uh, pronounced one was uh, 911. The uh, pod started um, um, spiking 22 days before 911, and the largest spike they ever saw was actually four hours before. So perhaps what the theosophists were uh, trying to tell us that, um, and the beings that work with me tell us, tell me that as we awaken, 
our sixth sense will become our first sense. So eventually, to me, um, physics has to become alchemy. And I love this def definition of alchemy. Alchemy means self-transformation with a desire to achieve spiritual results and more knowledge acting on the laws governing time, matter, and thought. The objective is to balance and to learn to use these precious elements inside each one in order to become magicians, aware creators of our spiritual path and our education. The beings have said, not only are we a part of the equation in physics, we are the equation because we are affecting the other four forces. What Kazarev showed is when we create inner coherence, a very peaceful state, we affect, able to add more amplitude or power onto this. Um, this can also be called, this state can also be called caritas consciousness. Caritas consciousness is a non-judgmental way of perceiving the world as whole. In this state of mind, we refrain from blaming or engaging in negative emotions. Caritas consciousness in, evolves when we seek truth and wisdom and practice non-judgmental justice. We are released from the need to judge when our consciousness is informed by intuition, observation, and discernment for the purpose of gaining insight and clarity. Caritas consciousness is a commitment to multi-sensory practice guided by a holistic worldview, being aware that all human beings are interconnected. Caritas consciousness begins with awareness of our thinking and our emotions so that we can make choices consciously and responsibly and wisely. Caritas consciousness requires being opened to the non-physical reality and the spiritual and mystery of the unknown. So we'll continue. One of the prisons that we are in is explained to me that by the beings is that our locus control in many facets of our life is external. In our physics, again, in the Newtonian physics model, we have an external locus control, talking about the four forces. Now, having looked at the different uh, experiments uh, that have done, and these experiments done by uh, um, Bill Tiller and Robert, John, and Bernard Dunn have thousands of replications, whereas some of the ones done by the uh, pharmafia, the pharmaceutical, excuse my slip at the time, uh, pharmaceutical companies many times don't have many replications and the what they call the file drawer stuff is disregarded. In these experiments, in these researches, the, all the file drawer stuff was kept. So in our education, we think our education has to come externally. As we become more awakened, we will be teaching the children how to use their brain, not just what to put in it, but how to use your brain, then they can make the choices of what they want to put into their brain. In the allopathic psychological model in the Western world, we tend to be external with that. This is caused by something external, both with our, our health challenges physically and with our mental health challenges spiritual challenges. Some has to do with something outside of us. This is the main one. This really ties in again with the Caritas um, definition of, of uh, Caritas consciousness. With our emotions, we tend to be give external locus of control to them. When we are in Caritas consciousness, we do not allow the external to control our emotions. This leads to a very, very important part of what Elmer Green started. He, 
discovered um, uh, and, and, and promoted biofeedback. Biofeedback basically uh, incurs self-regulation. When Elmer started biofeedback, Elmer had a very high clearance with the government. And when he discovered the way in which the government was really run by individuals not known to us, he knew that our way out of this was to, um, first of all, gain self-regulation or physiological events. And he did this by studying Swami Rama, Jack Swartz, and Rolling Thunder back in the 60s. He found that Swami Rama and, and Jack Swartz especially, anything that you can monitor on them, like uh, dermal temperature, uh, EKG, EEG, they could volitionally influence. Uh, the higher ends of uh, self-regulation would be self-regulation of emotion. And this is when we do that, we have much more impact uh, with the alchemy that is inside of us. With our brain amplitude, we're mainly external locus controlled because we have put all our, mar our, our marbles into a zone called beta. Beta is um, one of four brain states recognized by the traditional EEG uh, professionals. Beta is from 8 to 15 uh, hertz and uh, um, 15 to 45 hertz. And that's 15 to 45 hertz. And that is what we, in the old school, call left brain thinking, anal uh, knowledge analysis, reasoning, logic analysis, balancing the checkbook, speaking to people, linear time and linear thought. Um, the other three brain states, alpha from 8 to 15 hertz, theta from 3 to 8, and delta 3 to down to about a half of a hertz, we use for sleep. In meditation, what we try to do is go down into these deeper states and be aware. When we're down in these deeper states, like the remote viewers had to learn, um, we produce harmonics or overtones in a zone way above beta called uh, gamma. In the upcoming ICEM conference, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, anyway, he had the first pain clinic in the country. I, I can't think of his name. Um, but anyway, uh, they're 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 uh, they're they're doing a pre-conference. Norm Sheely, yes, thank you, and um, are doing a workshop on on gamma and how to stimulate gamma. Again, the video and uh, overtone chanting uh, that you witnessed um, uh, is a way to stimulate that also. And if you want to stimulate your home, own back home, would you try putting your hands on the top of your head and try uh, doing overtone chanting. You take a tone like a, ah, and you work with the teeth in the back, the, the tongue in the back of the teeth, and you change it from, ah, and you can feel that vibrate in your head. If, you're, if your um, intention is to decalcify the pineal gland, which is directly related to the opening of the third eye, don't be concerned if you're correct or not. Give it a try. Try different vowel sounds and, and uh, do this as regularly as you can. This helps to stimulate the brain. Then um, gradually you'll, you'll find a more of an awakening to the, your own intuit, intuitiveness. Um, the, the other prison that's tied in with locus, locus of control is that we're made to think that we are our brain. And what we're going to be teaching the children is that your brain is a very wonderful computer, but you are more than your brain. 
and you were here before you had this physical brain, and you'll be here after this physical brain has completed its duties. In our spirituality in the Western world, we're going to bring this in with the cross. We think that God is a white bearded Republican Protestant mm-hmm. male who refers to be and here's a, just a cartoon that I threw in. God at his computer with his finger on the smite button, whether <laughs> should drop the uh, piano on this poor soul or not. This is my lab, which you're in right now. And you can see the console behind me and I'm sitting on that black chair. And um, to the right of me is a music chair. The music chair um, has tactile transducers in it. And what that means is you don't hear them uh, they turn whatever is touching them into a speaker. Bone conducts sound really, really well. So when people sit in this chair, I electronically take them, tilt them back to a 51-degree angle. 51-degree angle is the angle that has been used in time travel at Domintor and at uh, Montauk. And um, it is the area, uh, angle of the pyramids. It is the angle of vocal cut crystals, um, which are in these canisters. This is a vocal crystal, and the female end, the receiving end, is at a 51-degree angle. Um, What I do is I go into a light trance. When people are at that 51-degree angle, they both have uh, earphones on so they can hear me on on an audible level, but they feel my voice in every essence of of their being. I intuit to find tones that will ease blockage and energy blockages in their body, even from previous lives, in their heart and wherever they might be. I also intuit to find certain tones using overtone chanting that will um, decalcify the pineal gland. People report feelings of well-being when uh, they are, we call it getting jacked. Um, and um, so that experience, the music bed, uh, there are seven canisters and each canister has a vocal crystal in it, as you can see in this slide. And there are two lights that pulse through these canisters. One is a, the color of the chakra when it's spinning at its right spin. And one is a white light that trickles down from the crown chakra on down. When we create karitas consciousness or inner coherence, um, the chakras spin at the right spin. It's very interesting. I was raised fundamental Christian. And I was told that if I didn't understand anything, in the Bible that I should look it up in my dictionary. If I still didn't understand it, I would could come to the pastor and he would uh, explain it to me. Well, I came with Second Timothy. It says here that um, we should pray without ceasing. And I looked it up in the dictionary, and that means I, that I can't do anything else with my brain. I have to pray continuously. Well, the minister said it, it means to pray a lot. Well, th- why did you tell me that the Bible is verbatim? I could tell when it was the, his neck started getting red and it was traveling upward. It was probably time to, to back off and go away. So I was reading in Revelations one time, and uh, there was a short thing that said, no one shall reach the kingdom of heaven till 144,000 is on the forehead. Well, Pastor, I couldn't find that in the dictionary at all. I, could you tell me what that means? Because I want to go to heaven. Well, we don't know what that means. And uh, so still don't read Revelations. Well, now... If we add up the hertz from the base up to the third eye, if we add up the hertz when we're creating intercoherence, caritas con- um, consciousness, 
it adds up to 144,000. So perhaps heaven is not an external thing, but an internal thing available to us all, all the time. My goal is to um, carry that with me as consistently as I can. When we ca carry that consistently, we're praying without ceasing. And we, whatever we put our mind to is receiving these powerful torsion waves. So here now are some examples of, um, uh, of how I use the Luminaire machine. In this picture, there's an Anglo lady. Uh, you can see her to the left of your screen. And on her face, facing profile, is a Native American. We'll make it a little easier for you to see. Um, well, anyway, this time we're going to go back to here. Uh, this was a, uh, a lady that was referred to me. And she had pain in her scapula area all her life, even from a little girl on. And like all pain, it was especially worse when she was under stress. So I asked her what she thought of previous life. And so I threw in this cartoon. And as a little boy talking to his dad said, yeah, well, I didn't believe in reincarnation when I was your age either. <laughs> anyway, she, uh, at that time in this clinic, uh, she was one of the physician's wives. Um, I had a reputation for being and help people. And she said, uh, you know, I trust you in that. So we took this picture and I asked, is there a previous life associated with this health challenge, which was my intuitive or gut feeling. And so this uh, Native American showed up um, profile. So I put her in the music chair, tilted her back to the 51 degree angle and relaxed her into a state to do a past life regression. To make a long story short, her tribe was being raided. She was this Native American lady in this previous life and she was running away uh, while the tribe was being raided, holding her baby in her arms. Well, the baby got hit with a piece of flying flint and died in her arms. And she, then in her state of grief, she took a spear in the back and was killed. So she didn't get a chance to heal this or see a trauma therapist. And uh, so she took this into the next life. When we did the trauma therapy with her um, and, and brought her back around, the pain had significantly subsided and gradually within a few days, the pain totally went away. That's the desaturated background so you can see the Native American profile more clearly. Here's a previous life on, on this lady. Um, to our left on her nose, you can see a nose and a profile and another mouth. This is one previous life with this lady we had to work with. This was written in the 1850s by Madame Blavatsky. Elmer Green um, believed he was Madame Blavatsky and so the people that loved Elmer dearly believed that also. Madame Blavatsky was the instigator, the, um, uh, the initiator of uh, theosophy. And in this book, The Mahatma Letters to A.P. Senate, she wrote, ideas larger, grander, more comprehensive, recognizing the universal reign of immutable law, unchanging and unchangeable, in regard to which there is only an eternal now, while to the uninitiated mortals, time is past, present, or future as related to their finite existence on this material speck of dirt. When we're dealing, so they were talking, she was talking about in the 1850s, the physics that we're finding in out now by the discovery um, uh, of Kazarev and calling it Thorshin, and by the brilliant work of Dr. Claude Swanson. Time travel should not be called time travel, it's dimensional travel, because in that zone of physics, the past, present, and future are existing simultaneously. There's another previous life on this same lady, and we're going to desaturate the background and highlight that, 
and you can see this more clearly. This one, um, uh, a famous um, forensic psychologist came here and uh, to see this picture, this uh, gentleman um, had, um, it, it didn't feel uh, good having he, he and his wife in the room. They um, had both had criminal records and uh, I set the intention, show me who you really are. I know you can't see it at this point, but I'm gonna enlarge it and I'm gonna desaturate the background. That is not um, human. That is a, an external race called a reptilian uh, on his face. Um, we've, there, there are many things like this happening. Lots of people like the mass murderers, the people on some of the medications that are put out by the uh, pharmafia, I mean pharmaceutical companies, um, allow our human beings to be taken by uh, ETs or, or other forms of energy that are stuck in these lower astral planes. Here's another one. Uh, this lady in the front with her, she's resting her hand on her chin. If you look to the right, there's a gray, a Zeta Reticidin with its um, hand on her head. I'll enlarge that straight to our right, to her left, and it's got his hand on her head. And I'll enlarge it one more time so you can see it. This lady uh, was a nurse and her husband was a carpenter. A month after they retired, her husband and two sons were killed in a car wreck and she wasn't letting them go. I took a picture and asked if there was anything in her field which wasn't in uh, her best interest or in their best interest. And there is her husband and two sons. Now we're gonna desaturate and look at the husband first. Look at one son and then the other son. He's over on the, our left and has a handlebar mustache. I asked for the highest good kind of Archangel Michael help these beings cross over and also with her permission. And she was, uh, we had convinced her that it would be better off for her and for them to move into the light. This uh, quote from Elmer Green's book, The Ozaki Book, The Dead, um, subtitle Alzheimer's isn't what you think it is. Uh, it precludes the next picture. Each item of subconscious debris has a secret life of its own, like a little rechargeable battery. Every time we succumb to one of these little um, subconscious debris, it gives it life again. For instance, if my main worry in life is finances, uh, my brain will keep creating um, instances in my life so that I can continue my worrying on, on finances. In Candace Pert's brilliant work, she won the Alaska Prize in Medicine for discovering endorphins um, in her wonderful book, The Molecules of Emotions. She says that emotions are a biochemical extension of our brain. And um, the cells get addicted to that particular emotion. So let's say that my particular uh, worry and main fear is that of finances. But one day I get lucky and win the lottery. So then my brain's job becomes to supply that um, same biochemical um, that my cells are addicted to, and that's worry. So the brain's job uh, becomes to find something else for me to have fear or worry about. So we need to, these things that trigger our anger and our, and our fears in our life, we need to heal them. And so we're not recharging them, and we need to self-regulate our emotions, the caritas consciousness. This is one of the more famous photos I had taken. 
Um, in the background is a heart transplant recipient. In the foreground is the uh, donor. And there we just uh, desaturated and enlarged it. This lady uh, had received a heart. She was a teetotaler. Uh, she played viola in the Colorado Springs Symphony. And um, after the heart transplant, she craved Harley Davidson's in beer. And um, she was going to die. She wasn't going to make it because she couldn't handle the anti-rejection medicine. Um, so she was uh, referred to me by the cardiologist. He didn't particularly want to know what I did. But anyway, um, my first thing was uh, to get a picture, see if we could get a picture of the donor and also an auditory bite. So we used a shortwave radio. It has to be analog. I learned this from um, researcher uh, through I, uh, inter, inter technology communication expert, Mark Macy, to use the analog shortwave radio to tune, turn it, tune it to a foreign station where they're doing dialogue, and then this happened to be Japanese, and then take it off the station slightly so it is static. So I did this. This work had to be done between one and four in the morning, or five in the morning when there's less RFI, radio frequency interference in the air. So anyway, we've got this J Japanese coming through with static, and he was able to not only slide into the picture, but he changed that Japanese voice into English. It said, basically, she needs to heal the waveform, why she needed my heart in the first place, or she will take this into her next life, or it is more disguised and difficult to deal with. Well, my gut feeling, my intuitiveness said, she needed my, this fellow's heart from a previous life. So we set another in, uh, intention. Is there a previous life associated with this health challenge? And another uh, face showed up on her face. So just the same as we did um, with the other lady. We regressed her in the music chair, and that life ended with torture. Uh, the previous life ended with torture, where she did not have a chance uh, to resolve that recharged battery that Elmer talked about. So you don't heal that torture. What you do is get it in a... In a uh, much better place. And we brought her back around. And then what we tried to do was spiritually integrate the heart using voice, my sound, through the music chair and my intention to do that. And she ended up not needing the anti-rejection medicine. There's another aspect of transplants we need to look at, and that is the, uh, the spiritual level. This lady in this picture is uh, was during her cycle had her happened to have her annual physical with her physician. Um, she was very um, tweaked out emotionally, and to get her out of the office as quickly as he could, the physician prescribed Prozac for her. She looked up Prozac in her uh, um, PDR and uh, looked at all the side effects and decided to go to the herb shop. And she was a client of mine, and she talked to the lady and. The lady said, well, why don't you try this? It's called Protrac. It's an herbal Prozac, but it doesn't have any of the side effects that the Prozac has. So here she's holding the Protrac, and she photographs clear. Here she's holding the Prozac. And it dumbfounded me because usually when it's a yes or no question, I either get a cloudy picture or a clear picture. But here this dark-skinned lady shows up. There we, we desaturated the back so you can see it. So there's a well-known psychic uh, channeler in Sedona named Harvey Grady. And we were friends, and uh, um, another friend, a physician, uh, paid for my wife to go down and visit him. 
asked a number of questions that I had about the photography. With this particular question, I asked him, how could this happen? And well, here's the answer I, I got from Harvey Grady. And they, uh, he, mon he uh, monitors a, uh, he channels a group called Monitor, part of the spiritual hierarchy. In case of the image where the woman appears with the dark skin, the presence of a member of that person's spiritually fam spiritual family is noted. The person with the dark skin is present in the astral plane and maintains close supportive contact with the person while she has contact with this medication. If it's not that, pray tell, what is it? This lady was in a chemical spill at a large brewery in Colorado, um, and uh, her suit uh, in this vat she was cleaning out was not properly fastened, and she radioed that she was starting to pass out. One fella came down to try to rescue her without a suit. He was climbing up the ladder, holding her, carrying her. And he passed out and died and dropped her to the floor. Another fella came down with a suit on, and um, it wasn't uh, fastened as well as hers was. And he picked her up and started taking her up the steps. And he too passed out and dropped her. Somehow they got her out and she lived. And she was um, legally blind. She had hepatitis C. She had seizure after seizure after seizure after seizure. And um, cluster headaches and migraine headaches and many other health challenges going on. There were um, at least over one dozen physicians that had worked with her who were not communicating to each other. And as a music therapist, one of the first things I did, I went down her list of medications and found two that were causing the seizures. One by one, we were able to uh, um, reduce the medications as she became more spiritually awakened. As she started to get better, I got a call from one of the uh, brewing member families, family members, and he said he was, she was dearly loved at this brewery. And um, he said, if you want to work with her the rest of her life, every day, I will pay for it personally. Well, we didn't need to do that, but we, did, we needed to do a lot of work. One of my gut feelings was is that there was a previous life in, involved in her healing process that we had to look at. Here are the two guys, that fellows that died trying to rescue her. The lower one has got a large, big, large red beard and a mustache. The one up above has a handlebar mustache. Perhaps you can see that. Here is her in a previous life that we had to deal with, and we did by regressing her and dealing with that. Here she is several years later. Uh, I, I worked with her um, five days a week and then three days a week, uh, and then finally uh, once a week, and then uh, we, do, we were able to tape, tape her off. Here she is uh, off all her medications. She's able to see and drive, and uh, she made it through the hepatitis C, taking the interferon injections. And what I had her do with that, um, and I got this from meditation, and you can feel free to use this technique, was she would hold the syringe and go into her state of inner coherence, which she mastered. She mastered um, being able to go into a deeper state and being aware. So she took integral part in her own healing process, <clears throat> but she would hold the syringe before she did the injection of interferon and hold the thought, I retain only that which is in my highest interest. Then she would do the injection, and then there was a little sign in her bathroom to remind her that when she was in the bathroom eliminating, she would have the affirmation, I'm removing anything uh, that is not in my highest interest. And she made it through the interfering injections with very little side effects. 
she took this picture of me and you can see those little white dots on both sides of my head. I had long hair back then. And you can see a couple more dots. One is in the plant and one up uh, next to that picture. Those I learned later were the fractal beings that were working with me. I needed all the help I could get. This is an interesting one. Um, and uh, Gloria, the, the two people in, in this picture are the ones, uh, uh, he's got a green shirt and she has a scarf on, were the ones that uh, from Memphis that uh, streamed into the program. So oh. hi, hi Wanda, <laughs> my dear friends. And uh, they, they were hosting this conference in 2002 and the, their theme for the year is called the Council Grove Conference, which is an invitational conference that, uh, that Elmer started in the uh, 60s, uh, the first members were Stan Groff and Swami Rama, Rolling Thunder, Jack Schwartz, and so on. Well, in 2002, the, again, the theme was Walking the Divine Path. And uh, I wanted to show this, uh, this banner up there because there are no faces in it. And this one will boggle your left brain. One of the speakers was a man named Ted Williams, a Native American medicine man. He's also an outstanding storyteller. If we had him on here, just reading the phone book, you'd have tears coming out of your eyes because of his voice. Well, now if you look at the banner, uh, you see other faces. Well, here's what happened. In 2005, again, this is 2002, and 2005 had passed. And when I took these photographs, I took three of them, there were nothing on these pictures. There were physicists there, there were medical doctors there, um, um, the Dalai Lama's personal physician, um, Elmer Green was there, and they all saw these photographs. There was nothing on them. So I didn't scan them. I just uh, stored them. And because we loved Ted so much, I saved the pictures. Well, after he passed, I got out his pictures just to spend time in meditation. And these faces showed up, up above him. So I called uh, Elmer and asked him. I, I told him what had happened. He sort of grinned. I could see him grinning in my mind's eye, because he always did, he has this very fast grin from ear to ear. He said, well, you didn't scan the pictures, did you? I said, well, no, Elmer, there was no reason to scan them because there was nothing on them. And he said, well, if you had scanned them, they'd still be the same. And here's the analogy he used. Uh, back Way back when, when we had the old reel-to-reel -reel tape recorders, there were five uh, remote viewers, Ingro Swan, uh, Joe McMonagle, Skip Atwater, and a couple others that had made a reel-to-reel -reel tape. This was an intentional experiment. They put some uh, audible physics equations on the tape. Five cassette dubs were made from the original. One of the dubs was listened to. Four were kept in a Faraday cage, as was the reel-to-reel. -reel. The uh, remote viewers then, when I say went back in time, you understand I'm talking about torsion. They changed dimension to the original uh, spot where they created the reel-to-reel -reel tape and changed some of the equations. Now, the four cassettes that weren't listened to had the change. The one that was listened to didn't have the change. Now, your left brain cannot possibly wrap around that. At least mine can. Moving right along. Now, this, this picture, this photograph is in Claude's new book, and he talks about the, uh, the, how fractal beings make physics sense. This is take, was taken in Christmas back in the 90s. And on the lower right is one of the fractal beings so loud. This was taken with the illuminator machine on. And you see the rest of the room is going in coherence, but there's this fractal shape. And we'll bring it out a little bit more so you can see it. 
This is the waterfalls. Um, it's a sort of horizontal waterfalls. Rock, rock outcropping there is where I stand to do my cheek clearing every day and uh, bringing in new chi. When I finished again, I opened my eyes and there was this, this fractal in front of me. And again, I felt in a state of um, awe and um, uh, totally engulfed in indescribable, unconditional love and went back to the cabin and uh, wrote down this new verse to the Great Invocation. So I began studying fractal geometry. I read Benoit Mandelbrot's uh, autobiography and uh, studied the different ways in fractal geometry had been used. As a child, he was able to solve unsolvable problems. His family, all famous mathematicians, uncles, granddad, uh, his mom and dad, both famous, world famous, world-class mathematicians could not solve he could solve in his head. Unbeknownst to him, he was using fractal geometry. Um, so then I started getting um, um, uh, contact with folks who had also experienced seeing fractals. This is one is from Brad Steiger uh, in his book called Real Ghosts. Uh, Brad had a near-death experience, and uh, um, this quote is from his book. When the sorrow of earthly separation impinged upon my newly extended consciousness, I was shown something that I can only describe as a series of brilliant, brilliant geometric designs. It was as if there was, there, these colorful patterns were somehow a part of the great tapestry of life. My ability to perceive these figures illustrated the order and the rightness of existence. Viewing these geometric designs completely removed my fear of death and allowed my spirit essence to move closer to the light. At the same time, the light appeared to be intelligent and to manifest a kind of benevolent presence that brought me immense peace and tranquility. Many years after my near-death episode, I assumed that my viewing of these geometric designs had to be classified as an ineffable experience, impossible to translate into physical expression. From time to time, I would meet other individuals who had near-death experience and had seen geometric visions similar to mine. And they would agree that these awesome message from, messages from all that is are beyond words. In 1998, 1988, my wife Sherry began conducting healing seminars utilizing computer-derived images of fractal geometry. And in these sessions, I finally saw images that were close or approximations of what I had been shown during my near-death experience. The last two examples now. This little girl here was preschool and she had a twin brother. I had um, served the mother 15 years before who was um, suffering from migraine headaches and she learned a traditional biofeedback, uh, learning how through EMG feedback to relax the muscles in uh, trapezius muscles, the muscles sternocleidomastoid in her neck and uh, also to warm her hands uh, and because typically migraine sufferers have cold fingertips, cold toes. So anyway, she called and said, I wondered if you could help my, my son and daughter. Uh, they are, they're not verbally equipped enough to work with a psychologist. And uh, here's what happened. While my husband and I were working, they were being babysat by their uncle who was molesting them every day. The little girl let me take her picture and it's definitely out of coherence. The little boy was on the floor in a fetal position sucking his thumb and wouldn't let me take his picture or get near him. So I put the little girl in the music chair and began singing into her body. The little boy sensed something. He crawled over on all fours, crawled up into the chair, and have an extra set of ears. 
earphones in here, they both are in the chair. My intention was to come up with sounds that would move the traumas from their brain and their body. And here they are, completely healed after the session using sound. As Rumi said, we've come to the place where everything is music. This little boy is out of coherence because he has a splitting headache going on. Um, his mom called and said, someone said, you could help my son. Uh, he's afraid to sleep in his room and he screams at night and um, he's very, very difficult to get to sleep. We took him to a very compassionate um, psychiatrist in Colorado Springs and the psychiatrist diagnosed him with having um, nightmares. The little boy says, no, they're not my nightmares. I see ghosts. And he says, well, son, you're having, you are having nightmares. He says, no, I see ghosts. It's very important in some of the allopathic uh, medical models and psychological models not to listen to your client because you have all these diplomas on your wall. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway, um, uh, I wanted to get the boy's trust, so I put him in the music chair, chair and just used relaxing tones to relax the muscles in his body. And here he is after his headache is gone. So I asked the mom uh, if I could do a remote viewing of uh, their their house in his room that night, and she gave me permission. I saw the same thing the little boy saw. And um, so the next morning, I asked the mother to get me a history of the neighborhood. Turns out the neighborhood was built uh, over an old Native American small tribe, about, about 16, uh, that we had slaughtered and mass buried. And um, so I said, um, I would like you to see two movies. I want you to see the movie Indigo Children. If you remember, the movie Indigo Children was about a little boy who had special abilities to see uh, stuck humans that had died but not realized they were dead, but they were stuck. And the movie Indigo Children was, of course, about except children that have these exceptional abilities. So the boy came into his appointment and I explained to him that he had these abilities just like the little boy did. I said, these ghosts are coming to you because they know that you can help them. You could almost see the light bulb above his head. He was excited to go home. So that night he went home and when the ghost came in, he asked for the highest good for the presence of Archangel Michael to help them cross over into the light. And they vanished and went into the light, we assume. Here he is the next week holding dirt from where he lives and he's got a smile on his face. He's no longer able no longer has fear of sleeping in his room and the headaches subsided mm -hmm. and he's holding dirt from where he lives and it means the whole area is, uh, is it has been cleansed and i helped him with that also uh, and i what i didn't show was the mom and uh, you know one picture was holding dirt from where they lived and uh, uh, she bought a photograph very blurry and this gave me um, um, reason cause to believe that there was something had gone on in that land so this brings to our conclusion, and here is our heart. Uh, um, and this is the new version of the invocation called uh, an invocation. From the point of light within the mind of love, may all awaken to that same light within our own mind, to restore this light upon the earth. From the point of light within the heart of love, may all awaken to that same light within our own May all who volunteer for this time awaken. From the center, where the will of love is known, may all awaken to serve the purpose of this will, the purpose which the awakened know and serve. From the center, where the race of humans is known, 
what the plan of love and light work about to engage and dance with the darkness. Let the power and purpose of love and light guide our awakening to oneness. Thank you so much for allowing me into your home. Now the differences in this are the word love is being used instead of the word God and the light is not going to stream forth as the original said. The second line is straight made light stream forth into the minds of men. What the being said to me was the light is already there. We're just going to awaken to that light. The, um, the line in the second verse, the last line used to read, may Christ return to earth. And he said what we actually meant was may Christ consciousness uh, return to earth. But he changed this to may all who volunteered for this time awaken. And the line in the next verse I really like. This used to be what one says the purpose which awakened no one service. Used to read the purpose which the masters no one serve. These these beings that have worked with me go to great lengths to level the playing field. Not using words like masters or God, but and they use humor because they know I respond really well to humor to get me off when I put them in in a state of awe. Now the next verse is maybe my favorite, but they're all my favorite, I guess. Is the where it says to engage and dance with the darkness. That line used to be to seal the door where evil dwells. So thank you again for your time. Can I ask a question? Sure. Okay. And I always, that, that line where may it seal the door where evil dwells, I always left that out because me too. it makes evil a, a thing, like a, an act. It, evil is the absence of good. Yeah. So it makes it a force, yeah. which it isn't. Right. Right. So, yeah, I really like that. Um, the other line in the Our Father that Isabel Hickey changed was um, uh, where it says, lead us not into temptation. She said, God doesn't lead us into temptation. So we changed it. She changed it, and I use it to leave us not in temptation. Right? I love that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, is there a difference between torsion and subtle energy? Torsion, uh, subtle energy is a part of torsion. Okay. Torsion is a force. A force is defined as something that can act on, on some other element. Mm -hmm. Subtle energy is, describes uh, a field such as Reiki or um, mm -hmm. healing touch or Qigong. Uh, so mm -hmm. they, they are different, but they kind of incorporate the so, other. So all subtle energy is torsion, but not all torsion is subtle energy? Correct. Okay. Okay. And um, could you say any more about the time travel being dimensional travel? I, I really resonate with that. Yes. Um, we look at time as, as being linear. Mm -hmm. And what the beings told me is we have created linear time by constant mm -hmm. use of only our left brain, mm -hmm. beta, in which there is linear time. He said, you have created linear time, so you need to deal with that. Mm -hmm. When we're dealing with what you call time travel, we are dealing with torsion. And again, torsion is the universal now that Madame Blavatsky talked about in the 1850s. And again, torsion travels several billion times faster than the speed of light, meaning it goes forward, both forward and backward in time, mm -hmm. the universal now. Mm -hmm. And so, like when we do distance healing, we are, the way I've always looked at it is we we are transcending the space-time continuum. We're 
because it isn't subject to time or space. Exactly. The person can be across the universe, across the world, right? Or and and it's immediate. The effect is immediate. Correct. And so I used to see it as a merging, and then I and then I realized it's not so much a merging. It's going to the level where we're always merged. Correct. Oneness. We're already merged. Oneness. Right. And I was thinking when you when you were talking about the tape that was listened to didn't change. Right. I've seen I've read about experiments where if the if the thing is observed, like with REG machines, right? Correct. Um, if if it's observed, then they can't change the Correct. past. But if it's not observed, then it can change. Correct. So wouldn't that explain that? Correct. Yes, yeah. it would. Uh, the mere observation of something changes it. Yeah. So when they talk about two-tailed or double-blind crossover studies in the pharmaceutical companies, there is no such thing because mm -hmm. of the experimental, exactly. experienter um, contamination. And bias. Yes. Right. Yes. Because it's the, the very companies that, that are manufacturing this that are doing the experiments in, in the research because they can afford to. Correct. And the FDA accepts it. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see. Um, I love what you said about Caritas consciousness for obvious reasons. We are the Caritas Consciousness Project. Um, yeah. When you say a fractal being, is there a difference between that and what we call a spirit? That's a really good question. Fractals, what the, the, uh, the Tibetan has explained to me, is our infinite form. So I think, um, and the, they can still take on a physical looking form as in that one picture of the young lady with, with two, what we used to call, and, and I say, you can still call them ascended masters. They, mm -hmm. they make fun of me if I call them ascended masters. They, for instance, Archangel Michael likes mm -hmm. to be called Mike. And, mm -hmm. and this just very personal because they, they used humor with me because my left brain was so, um, so, so uh, brought up in fundamental mm -hmm. uh, religion and, yeah. and that, that, uh, and I tried really hard, and I was—I tried really hard to be educated. I was put in the dumb class because there was a part of me that was stubborn that could not learn the Western way of learning and just re regurgitating things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and now I look back, and it wasn't a curse; it was a blessing. Yeah. So the fractal being could be called a spirit. In a way, yes, yes. it could be. It's our so infinite again, form. again, all spirits are fractal beings at their core. Yeah. But not all fractal beings necessarily are spirits or... Yes. And there's a difference between spirit, in my, in my vocabulary, there's a difference between spirit with a small s and spirit with a capital S. Correct. The, the capital S is that divine part of us, if for lack of a better terminology. Um, the spirit with a small s is just... Us, personality, ego, everything, without a body. Yeah, so the, the ones that the little boy saw were not in fractal form. They were stuck. And so they had a form, and um, he had seen, like, maybe Casper the Friendly Ghost or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. But that's the way they appeared to him, and that's the way they appeared to me. 
when I, I remote viewed their place, I remote viewed it through his eyes, the way he saw it, mm -hmm. not through mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. Um, I think that's all I've got. Questions? Thank you so much. And I'm going to just turn this and make a couple, which I hope because, yeah. Oh, let's get off of share. Uh, too bad. I thought, I thought they were watching you, though, this during the question and answer. Anyway, um, we're sharing one computer, which makes it a little awkward, but... Um, thank you very much, Jack, for a wonderful talk. And uh, there was so much to learn that I can watch it over and over again. And um, the audience watching this, you can see it again for a specified period of time. I think it's 14 days. Um, but then eventually we'll have a library, a virtual library online. Uh, of many of these um, live broadcasts. And I'd like to just make a couple of announcements. Claude Swanson will be giving a broadcast on next week on the 21st, Wednesday the 21st, 7 p.m. on OBEs, out-of-body experiences, and orbs. So you can register for that on our website. Um, also, Dean Radin will be doing a live broadcast for us on um, the 30th of this month. Um, and I haven't made the flyer for that yet. We just got confirmation a couple of days ago. So uh, watch for that, but you might want to mark your calendars. That will also be 7 to 9 p.m. And that will be online only. All right, he'll be in California and we'll be hosting him in Boulder. Thank you very much. And we're ending this now. Zany boss was our door, brand new bag. College girls give a nigga head in my raps. Rockstar life, so much money, I'll make you laugh. Hey, the bitch they hate, and you can't miss what you never had. Hey, hey, off the juice, coding got me tripping. Got the coupe, walker roof is missing. Ice, lemonade, my neck was tripping. Ice, lemonade, my neck was tripping. Addy boys got some 60s in my bag. Nine pillow talking on no rag. In my earlobe, got two carrots, VVS. Got a penthouse near Rodeo, I for stress. All this money when I grew up, I had nothing. Filled with backstabbers, my old life is disgusting. Can't believe it, gotta thank God that I'm living comfortably. Getting checks, I don't believe, but she says she done with me. Burn some bridges and I let the fire light the way. Kicking my feet up, left the PJs on a PJ. Yeah, I'm a big dog and I walk around with no leash. I got water on me, yeah, everything on Fiji. Zany boss, suicide door, brand new bag. College girls, give a nigga head in my rap. 